Pickaxe. Folks, welcome to Dungeons and Randomness. Since 2012, myself and an amazing cast of 18 have been telling stories in our homebrew world of Theria. Four different groups explore lost ruins, run for political office, rage against a mad king, set sail to long forgotten islands, and so much more. Every group has a different story and flavor, and every season or arc has a new set of groups and stories all building the history of our world with every single session. Literally hundreds of hours of stories are waiting for you as part of the Pickaxe Network. Check out Dungeons & Randomness wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you around the table. like the noise my grandma my grandma had a clock that on the hour would play a chime <laughs> you know what like i would have a fucking shenmue cuckoo clock give yeah. me a shenmue cuckoo clock what a little hizuki hizuki yeah hazuki a rio little hazuki comes just out just rio if it's easier a little rio co- well no because i'm gonna think we're watching street fighter a little <laughs> hazuki comes out and like spin kicks thin air no spin kicks landy Landy, Landy is his name. <laughs> Landy was his name. Oh, that's not in the show. Uh, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Video Game Movie Podcast with myself, Rory Jocelyn from Cyberpunk Studios. And joining me today is Jamie Evans from Impala Films. Hello, Jamie. Hey, guys. How you doing? So today Face we're watching anime. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, we're watching anime. Now, this what's interesting for us is, we've, this is we're recording this just off the back of having watched The Cuphead Show, uh, which is another animated series, but in a completely different fashion. Uh, that I mean, they couldn't really be too much more different from each other, no. despite both being animations. One, one is American-style animation and one is Japanese-style animation. Yes, and the other side as well is that... It's, Shemi almost feels like it fits in between the two, because we like the, of Uncharted and Cuphead, because Shemi was a lot more serious, like as a as a series than Cuphead is. But so, what you'd expect from sort of a more Western animation? Mm. It was more serious than Uncharted as well. It actually was a bit more serious than Uncharted. Um, there was no witty Mark Wahlberg banter in this baby, it, it, because it's a series that requires reverence, my friend. Because Easy. We, yes, because we're talking about a legendary video game series. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Michael no, 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 Cole. no, on, no. There'll be no, 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 no argument no, no. on the legendary no, no. status of. Let Shemu. me just because I've never played Shemu. Let me just check if I've got my facts here correct. Mm-hmm. Um, am I correct in this? Two Shenmue games, is there? Or There's three, three now. There's a, the, so the first two were released... Uh, the first one was released in 2000. Yeah. Second in 2001. Didn't come out in America, but it did in Japan and Europe. That's not a good sign, is it, when it took them... Because did you say 96 is when they started? 
Yes, it's not a good, about 96, 95, 96. Not a good sign when it takes you four years to make one game and then only one year to make the Ooh, sequel. Oh, if you, if you think that's bad, you should hear how the budget almost ripped Sega apart. Jesus. <laughs> Didn't help. Um, and there was no way that... And that Basically, they figured out that in order to make Shenmue turn a profit, each Dreamcast owner that there was would have had to have bought two copies for themselves. Right. That's how much Shenmue cost that... Wow. Essentially, the only way it would have ever turned a profit is if everyone bought so two. So it's a really expensive game. Oh, it, yeah. I mean, but at the time, it was also the most technically impressive game on console. And in fact, it was so technically impressive, I knew someone who was part of, the, you know, that I'm the PC master race, you know, I already play PCs and because they're far superior did than they a console. Did they exist back then? They did. Unfortunately, they've always existed. Uh, and yeah, I had a friend at school who was like this. was like, oh, I don't play consoles. I only play, you know, really quality stuff because I play on PC. And back even, when PC, even back when PCs were green screens with text. Well, Half-Life had already come out at this point and Right. PC gamers were already shouting down the houses that nothing could ever touch the masterful graphics of Half-Life. And Shenmue beat it. And it beat it on a much weaker machine that was a console. Mm. And even this guy was like, you know what? I want Shenmue on a PC just because it looks so much better than anything I've got. Oh, he knew that eventually, obviously, PCs would surpass it. And mm. all games consoles have surpassed Shenmue's Dreamcast graphics by now. But at the time, it really was a massive step ahead. I don't remember it being that... I'm not talking about in Japan, because I don't know. But, like, here in the West, I don't remember Shenmue making a huge splash, though. It depends on what you're talking about. Culturally, yes, huge splash. In terms of finances, it didn't sell amazingly well, but then the Dreamcast didn't sell... I I love the Dreamcast, and it did sell well, but it didn't sell... You know, if it had come out on the PlayStation 2 and it had been by Sony, it, it would have, have been, really well. yeah, it would have done gangbusters. Like Onimusha style. Bear in mind, it's a 3D action-adventure game, open world, that you get to choose what you do in, and you could do almost anything in the game, and it came out, I think, three years before GTA 3. Mm-hmm. Um, now, GTA 3 is a slightly different game, because A, it's a sandbox, which is similar to an open world, but there's less to do in it. It's more so what you do in a sandbox game is you go around, you shoot people, and you steal cars. You can't shoot people or steal cars in Shenmue. But you can do like a lot of other business. So um, you can buy as many capsule toys as you want. You can work a job driving a forklift truck in the docks. And anyone who's played Shenmue knows how important the driving in the docks is in Shenmue. It's legendary to the point where... In uh, Sega and Sonic's, uh, Sonic and Sega All-Stars Racing on the Xbox 360 and PS3, you can uh, one of the unlockable characters is Ryo Hazuki, and he starts off on his motorbike. There's a motorbike sequence in Shenmue. But if you get like a special power-up to put you in a special vehicle, the special vehicle is... The, is the forklift truck from the docks because there's a racing game in Shenmue where you race on the docks in your forklift trucks. It's incredible. Shenmue was an incredible game. It was like... It's hard to explain just how important it was to gaming at its time when you're looking at it in retrospect. Mm. Because everything that's been done in Shenmue has now been done in many other games. Many other games with much better controls, because Shenmue used tank controls, which have not aged particularly well. People Um, do not like those tank controls. No, absolutely not. Um, I think the... I can't... See, I've not played the modern re-release. There's been a re-release on um, Xbox One and PS4 of Shenmue 1 and 2 together, 
Uh, and I think they up the, you can choose between tank controls and more modern controls, but I've not played it that way. I've only played it. Um, I've only ever played it using. I've only ever played it on Dreamcast and on the original Xbox, but mostly on Dreamcast. Uh, and the, but here's the other thing: there's a lot of little things that Shenmue did right. So number one, it was one of the few games of its era where you could transfer stuff from one game to another. Mm. So when you play Shenmue 1, there's a, a lot of this other... You can collect chocolates, you can collect can machines, you can collect little toys, you can collect just scores, obviously high scores on mm. mini games. And it was also... A, you could play literal, amazing 1980s arcade games. So you know Outrun... Yeah, yeah, the original Outrun. That was in Shenmue 2, wasn't in Shenmue 1, but like those were called Super Scalar games, mm-hmm. where essentially you drive into the screen, and they were very hard to process in the 80s, and it, only really, it can only really be done on arcade hardware. Um, but by the time Dreamcast came out, they became more available. The Super Scalar games were almost exclusively made by Yu Suzuki, who directed Shenmue, so Hang On and Space Harrier are playable in the original Shenmue. And as I say, Outrun is added in Shenmue 2. Mm. So you can play genuine, amazing 80s superscalar arcade machines within the game of Shenmue, yeah. which for the time blew your mind. It happens all the time now in the Yakuza series. And if you like, Yakuza is kind of the closest game nowadays to what Shenmue was. Uh, it, it's a lot more up-to-date in terms of the controls. The storyline is a lot more faster-paced, and it's got a, you know it's a little bit more easily accessible, I'd say, than Shenmue is, because Shenmue is a lot slower-paced, mm. uh, which is where the anime comes in, because they basically... It was meant to be, you think, 16 chapters for Shenmue. Shenmue 1 is one chapter. I think it's one or two chapters, but I think it's only the one chapter. So it's very slow-going. So it's like it really is a reverence pace. You have so, to. You mean that one episode was all of Shenmue One? No, we no. haven't finished Shenmue One yet. Right. On I didn't think so, so. Ju- where we are now, there's only been three episodes released. So we and we haven't yet finished Shenmue One. Yeah. Um, so what do you mean by it's one chapter? So when Yu Suzuki wrote Shenmue, there was he wrote sixteen chapters of story. I see. And his idea was he was going to turn each chapter into a game. So sixteen games. Yeah. So that I, didn't work out for him, did it? No. But here's the thing. So he released chapter one, a Shenmue one, and people were like, yeah, this is really good, but it's really slow. And, you know, you have to wait around for time to pass. For so, like when you met, um, when you have to meet the the tattoo parlor guy uh, to ask about Charlie, you had to wait until five p.m. I think to go and mm. see him. But there was no way to speed up the in-game clock, so you just had to wait in-game for 5pm. Now, the, obviously, the in-game time went faster than real time. But Thank was, God. Yeah, but you still had to wait. Uh, whereas in Shenmue 2, they took those, you know, th- that feedback. They condensed, I think, three or four chapters into one game. So it's a lot faster paced. And actually, to be honest, it was better for it. Shenmue 2 is definitely the best of the trilogy so far. Um, and also they added the ability for when you need to wait around for time, you can select an option to speed time up to when you need it to be. Mm. So that way you don't have to sit there and go, right, I better wait around for six hours now for the shop to open. So there were quality of life improvements even within the one-year difference. Um, if the Dreamcast had continued, because obviously it kind of... 
the series kind of ended because Dreamcast ended, and mm. Sega were like, you know what, if we're going third party, we haven't really got time for putting all this money into this. But because the engine was already done, I believe that at least several games would have come out on the Dreamcast, all using the same engine, so eventually Shenmue would have recouped its cost. But because it got cut short, it never did. <laughs> so because it never recouped its cost, it's con- it was considered something of a failure. But culturally, it was very popular, mm. certainly among Dreamcast fans, and there's a lot of them. In the 2010s, there was a Kickstarter for a third film, a third game, sorry, by Yu Suzuki, by a company called Weissnet, which you probably saw in the trailer, in the credits, sorry, of um, the show. And essentially, it, it got the third chapter got kickstarted, or the third game got kickstarted. And I think that was two chapters. That was, again, a bit too slow. Some people didn't like some of the changes they'd made. For example, one of the things you needed to do in three that you didn't need to do in the others was to keep your health up and to keep your energy up. You had to eat, which you didn't have to do in the previous two games, which... <laughs> People essentially went, well, if all you need to eat for is to keep your stats up so that you don't get killed in a fight within three seconds, then you just buy the cheapest thing that's available, which happened to be black garlic. So essentially, Ryo Hazuki is going around this Chinese (laughs) village eating black garlic and nothing else. But you never have to make him brush his teeth like you do. So so it's like this guy must have the worst breath in the world. (laughs) Just go, hello. (laughs) Um... I mean, that's the history of the games, really. The games are, as I say, much slower paced. The anime has to speed them up quite a bit. But even so, three episodes in, we're an hour and a half. Of th- it's about an hour and a half's worth of story, if not an hour and mm. 20 minutes. Um, and we've still not finished the first game, which I wouldn't have expected them to anyway, because the first game, as I say, is quite long, and there's I a imagine, lot to establish. I would imagine season one is going to be the get first game. No, they've already... Uh, so some of the characters in the intro credits very much prove that Shenmue 2 is going to be in the first season of the anime as well. So it looks like season one of the anime is games one and two, and then uh, and you get a bit of three, because we're seeing Bailu Village, which is the Chinese village that Shenhua's in, mm. uh, who keeps talking about that fucking poem. Yeah. <laughs> She keeps get, getting brought up, and she's from Shenmue 3. Oh, okay. She's seen briefly in Shenmue 1 and 2, but she's we don't get to her yet until the very end of Shenmue 2. So this is quite an expansive storyline, then. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's huge. And we've, as I say, we've not gotten to the end of it yet. Um, and possibly never will at this well, point. So some people are, are, are worried about that. Obviously, it took nearly 20 years for sh- between Shenmue 2 and 3, and it's like, well... Shenmue 3 kind of got a little bit slammed after it came out. So the the fear is is that even via Kickstarter or anything else, Shenmue 4 might never get funded. However, the anime is a lot cheaper to produce and it can get to the, through the story a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of Shenmue fans that are suggesting that rather than finishing the story in Shenmue 4, 5, whatever, that it finishes via the anime so at least we get a finish to the story. Yeah. And the fan base for this is, it, like, the fan base for Shenmue is very strong and very opinionated. Uh, and it, there, there's a lot of discussion back and forth, but there's also a, a lot of... fan base opinionated? Get oh, out of here! I know, I know. It's almost like the Sega version of Nintendo, though, the Shenmue fan base. But to be fair, they're a lot more positive than Nintendo fans. They're, oh, um... Every fan base gets toxic. Oh, it's, yeah, yeah. It's why, other than 
there is only one Resident Evil fan group I will ever be part of, and that's because if you go onto literally any other Resident Evil fan Discord or out like that... It gets really toxic. It, yeah, it like, what do you mean you like Resident Evil 5? That's for terrible people. Um, you know what I mean? And I bet you like to kill children in your sleep. Yeah, literally, it's like that, and you get people who like... Um, yeah, people who are like, well, we experienced it because uh, it's not even just for the games. Like I remember, my <laughs> the most viewed video on the Impala Films YouTube channel, you know, isn't anything creative we've ever done. Mm. It's me reacting to the original trailer for Welcome to Raccoon City. <laughs> but there are comments there mm. screaming at me. But these people don't know me. Yeah, calling me a. A, a word you don't have to say anymore that means mentally deficient. Oh, dear. Um, telling me I'm not a true fan of Resident Evil. Because you kind of enjoyed it a Be- little bit. No, 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 because it's just from the trailer. And oh, this okay. is trailer reaction. Because I said that the Anderson films are garbage. Really? And, yeah, yeah, the Anderson but, films have a fairly strong fan base. Why? It's not the same fan base that the games are. So no, what tend I was going to gonna say, they can't be the same fans. Not, no, and it's this not, is the interesting thing. That's when, not even me throwing my opinion in, but they're so different to yeah. the games that they couldn't be the same yeah, fans. No, they're not. It's really interesting. Like The Resident, the Anderson films mm. have their own separate fan base who have never touched the games, or they do touch the games and go, this isn't Resident Evil, where's Alice, where's This Batflips? isn't the real stuff. Yeah, and they literally were saying, to me on this video this doesn't even look like it none of the stuff from the films in here where's Alice where's this and I was like Alice was never in the games you sons of bitches you should just do another video upload with uh, video footage of Alice from the films and then just play the song underneath Alice who the fuck is Alice (laughs) but yeah fan bases are crazy is what yeah yeah Um, man you you always get I remember being part of uh, (laughs) when Resident Evil Five was coming out. Mm. They had released footage, uh, photographs in gaming magazines that showed a blonde woman in a test tube thing, like a cryo tube type thing. Right. Which later in the game, spoilers for a game that's more than a decade old, it actually turns out to be Jill Valentine in the game. But no one, obviously, no one knew that because Jill Valentine before that had always been a brunette, right? Yes. But you could go on these Resident Evil forums, and there were three main candidates. A lot of people thought it was Ashley Graham from Resident Evil 4. Yep. A lot thought it was Sherry Birkin returning, mm. which would have made probably would have made the most sense given that at that point in the canon, um, it was established that Sherry Birkin had been kidnapped by Albert Wesker post-Resident Evil 2. Oh, you that will... never comes up in Resident Evil nope. 6. No, nope. you will see this when we get to Re- Wesker's Report, which we're going to do mm. as a Patreon episode. Yeah. Um, at the end of Wesker's Report, literally the last thing that happens is you see image of Sherry in a jail cell closing over, and Wesker goes, there's something about this little girl, like that. Mm. Um, I think he says Sherry's safe with me or something. Right, um, but they retconned but then they it out. Retconned it out in six. So a lot of people thought it was Sherry. And then you had people like me who were desperately it been, hoping... Yeah, I think it would have been better if it was Sherry. It would have been. Then you had people like me who were desperately hoping that it was Alexia Ashford coming back. But that would have made no sense, to be fair. It would have made no sense, uh, but it would have made your little heart scream happy. It was. Well, I just want another <laughs> Alexia v. Wesker fight, because that's oh, the best that part of Veronica. Sherry Birkin would have made the most sense. And I personally, I could be wrong... I think that was the original plan, because I'm sure I've heard that the original plan was always that 5 would be a co-op game, but yeah. that it would be Chris and Jill. 
that makes sense, right? You're finally going to write Wesker out of the series. Of course, it's going to be Chris and Jill. Yeah, the, the two heroes people from that the original were left behind. Game. Yeah, maybe um, a bit of Barry. I would have liked a bit yeah, of Barry. Yeah, and then a bit of Barry. Have Barry in as a support character. Maybe give mm. him a mini game, something like that, right? Yeah, because he was in the um, Mercenaries mode as well, wasn't he, Barry? Uh, only on the special gold edition. He's not uh, in the original Mercenaries mode. Uh, well, fuck um, Barry. Then. But then. <laughs> Then they... They should have done a mode where Barry and Wesker help each other again. Yeah. And then that would have been a dual, like a co-op yeah. play that you could do with those but that, two. That would have been really good, but then uh, the whole racism thing kicked off after the first trailer. Yes. Because they you... were like, you're a white man shooting black people. Of course we are. We're set in Africa. Yeah. When we did, it, when we did Spain in Resident Evil 4, they were all Spanish. Yeah, some people kicked off said that was racist at that time as well. The thing yeah. is, is so I'm like, okay, so you're setting a, a game in... In North Africa, yeah. if we make everyone there white, it's not racist to shoot them, but then you're saying that it's all white people in North Africa. Which is racist. Which is racist. Yeah. You're saying that the place that the black so, people there don't exist. So which one is it? Which is more racist? So I think what happened... And <laughs> so to, we can only shoot European people, is that what you're saying? So I think what happened, and this is purely conjecture on my part, do not take this as fact... I think that they then panicked and went, right, let's make Jill the girl in the test tube. Yeah. And we'll create Sheva Alomar to be Chris's partner. Yeah. And we also, they changed a lot of the Magini to be white, didn't they? So you get yeah. a roughly even balance. Yeah. My point, anyway, my point is, because this is a long-winded way of getting to it, the forums, when that image had been released... These three different theories couldn't coexist. No, 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 no. no. The people who subscribe to one theory would scream at the people who subscribe to the other theory. You're a fucking idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. And you literally would get people, like people who hadn't seen Wesker's report, Mm. being like, don't be ridiculous. Why would it be Sherry Birkin? She's a little girl. And then people being like, you realise this game is set like... Ten years after Resident yeah, Evil, yeah, she'd have grown up by this. She'd point. have grown up, um, and and people literally. I remember people literally screenshotting the bit from Wesker's report. I mean, like, see, see, and then people going and getting the original Japanese script for Wesker's report and translating it, mm. and finding out that I think that bit's not in the original Japanese script. All oh, right, okay, uh, yeah. So Resident Evil. I don't know if Shenmue has this problem. Resident Evil, the early Resident Evil games, yeah. actually have this hugely complicated canon because they're all written in Japanese and translated to English but they're full of translation errors. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mostly around dates and things like that. Shenmue doesn't have this problem. Um, so you, you I don't do, think so no. anyway. So you do get some fans who like to them um, and personally I think this is a little pretentious in my opinion um, to them it's only canon if it's in the original Japanese script. Right. And then some will only take the Western canon as canon. Right. Um, and it's all a great big mess, and it's all co- it's all flipped now, because mm. with Resident Evil Village, the latest game in the franchise, that was written in English first. So that kind of screws that and up. And then translated to Japanese. Well, with Shenmue, um, the, as I say, they're not quite that toxic. That's mm. not really... It's not that people are sitting there going, oh, the enemy shit, fuck, fuck shit, boo, and all this stuff. We're still kings of the toxic fan base. Woo. Yeah, you're still winning on that one. Um, what it is is that people refuse to see the errors or what I think are bad choices made in the anime. So when you say, uh, and we'll get to this when I come to episode one, there's a, something that I would change straight away to improve episode one. Um, but a lot of Shenmue fans are like, look, you can't... And the reason... I think, I think there's a, a method or... There's um, an element of desperation and fear about challenging the show mm. because people are worried that if, if there's any negative feedback at all to the show, 
then there may be no more show, which means we will never see the end of Shenmue. So yeah. I can understand, I understand that some people are, are sort of snapping back out of fear, but um, there are there are some things in the show that even as a fan I would challenge as creative choices, and we'll get to that as we get through go through each episode. Um, but the the fan base is kind of not toxic against people saying actually this could have been better. Mm. They just don't want to hear it. There's very much this, you know, you you're going to jinx it. You're going to yeah, yeah, you're going to ruin it for the rest of us. Shut the fuck up. I must admit, I get that a little bit about Welcome to Raccoon City. Mm. I'm a little bit when when, pe- when fans are like, this please, is I just shit. don't want any more Anderson. <laughs> I'm a bit like, yeah, stop saying that. They're going to bring Anderson back. <laughs> mm. That is the fear. And the only other thing we'll get to before we kick off on the the, the, like the three episodes that we've seen so far, at the time we record this, there's only three episodes available. We watched it in subtitles, not in dub. Um, the reason being that the dubs aren't available in the UK, and I know people will go, but you could use a VPN, but you can fucking you know, up your ass, because I'm not paying extra for a VPN, and then also paying for a... You know what I mean? It's just, just said, I've got a VPN. Have you got a VPN? I have. This is an embarrassing thing to admit on air. <laughs> I had to get a VPN because my landlord put the internet in in my flat. Right. And it's all got the child protection locks on it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I can't watch porn. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a single... I've been single for five years. Like, I watch porn, okay? <laughs> but you're only 12. I'm shaking out. Rory. Had to make it weird. After, after half the shit I've said on this podcast, you better hope I'm not 12. <laughs> the beard gives it away, I think. I, yeah. <laughs> I could, you don't know. I could have, like, shaved some other guy and stuck this to my face. You don't know. This could be held on by glue. That is true. That is true. I'm actually two 12-year-olds in a trench coat. <laughs> Um, so you asked if you should play the the, show, the game before we watch the show. Yes. I suggested to do so. You haven't done that. That's fine, because I know you've been busy. I'm not... This isn't a slam down or anything yeah, like that. That's all right. I How, get it. No, 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 no. The reason I mention it is because that will make this actually a little bit more interesting, the fact you haven't seen it and that you haven't, like, you haven't played the games before. Because I'm very much a big fan of Shenmue, I know a lot about the show uh, and a lot about the... Because I also know a lot about the game, whereas you know nothing about the show or the game. So, I know nothing, John Snow. Yeah, and uh, what, the reason I find that interesting is um, some of the elements that I want to challenge in the show, people have who've snapped back at me on Facebook about it and, and, and general chats have been like, well, no, the reason I made those changes was so that was more accessible to people who aren't fans because this can't just be for the fans. But I'm pretty certain the things I, I have questions over don't apply and wouldn't make it any less... Accessible. Accessible, and in fact, might make it more accessible to non-fans. Well, I could give um, you one little thing which might tease the audience as to my feelings on it. Mm. Um, so I have been aware of the game Shenmue. Unlike Cuphead, it's not a, it's not a game I hadn't heard of. Sure. Um, and I've been curious to play it. If I was going purely on the anime, mm. I no longer want to play the game. Shit. Yeah. Um... What about the anime would put you off the game? It just doesn't... Not that the anime was bad, it just doesn't look like something I'm interested in now. So right. I, ne- I didn't know what Shenmue was, I just knew the name Shenmue and that just it was a knew- popular Dreamcast game. Sure. And like yourself, I like the Dreamcast as well. Mm. Not quite as obsessively as you do, it's okay, just get a room. Um, I've got a spare Dreamcast <laughs> if you want to play online with me. What, what the fuck would we play online? On Fantasy Star Online. Oh, God, that'll take forever. It's an RPG. Yeah. 
All right, what about 4x4 we'll four four We'll stick Evo. to, like, Streets of Rage and shit. You Streets know, of Rage isn't can... on the Dreamcast. No, but I've got it on my PC. Games we can do in one sitting, that sort of thing. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, my point is, like, just having looked at that, like, it looks like a weird martial arts type thing, which I'm not really interested in. It is a martial arts story, yeah, but it, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was more of a fantasy thing. That has fantasy elements, certainly, right, like, but they only come in at rare moments. Is the fantasy just the, that girl's poem <laughs> about the dragon and the phoenix? Kind of. I mean, we so in episode three of the show, we did, we get a little bit of a hint on that, and to be fair, it's articulated a bit more clearly in the show than it is in the game, um, but yeah, most of it's quite realistic rather than fantas- fantastical. Um, it is a martial arts sort of thing. It is a fighting game. It's based on the Virtua Fighter engine, at least somewhat really? loosely. Yeah, yeah. Um, initially, it was going to be a Virtua Fighter, vid- uh, Virtua Fighter RPG. Right. And Ria Hazuki was going to be the lead character Akira from that game. Okay. Um, so it's... It, what, yeah, there's been a lot of changeover. And weirdly enough... What's strange with Shenmue is Shenmue 1 and 2 were absolutely in co-development together, potentially Shenmue 3 as well, but definitely Shenmue 1 and 2, because there are preview videos of Shenmue on the Sega Saturn when it was obviously being built for that system. I tell you what, it was fucking advanced for the Saturn. Mm-hmm. Like if it, it was already super advanced for the Dreamcast, but for the Saturn, it will blow your mind because yeah. it's just so good. And not only was it, did you have that element, but there were video game, there were cutscenes and stuff from Shenmue 2 on the Saturn. And you're like, holy shit, like how much of this was in co-development simultaneously? It must have been a lot. And what's interesting is there's a character in the, um, in the Dreamcast version that's not seen in either Dreamcast game, right. but she's seen on all the promotional materials. And she didn't appear until Shenmue 3. But right. they changed her look for Shenmue 3. So she looks different. In the um, in the promos for Shenmue 1 and 2 on the Dreamcast, she's got like this long witchy hair, like black hair, and she wears like a, an orange and reddish sort of um, like tr- more traditional outfit. When she appears in Shenmue 3, she's got bright red hair, and she's wearing like a red chong Sam Chinese dress. Mm. Um, but it's, been, it's confirmed that it's the same character. It's just they changed her look up for Shenmue 3. Uh, and so it's like, well, why did you have a Dreamcast render for a character that wasn't in those games? Which is what leads me again to assume that the idea was they built all the assets for more sequels on the Dreamcast engine yeah. and just ended up not getting the funding to continue the series. Okay. Um, because why would you build assets for games you've not yet, you're nowhere near releasing? Um, so, yeah, I think there was an awful lot of that sort of stuff going on. Uh, so let's get into the episodes. Episode one, the the the, you know, the the opening episode. One of the things I'll mention here is episode one opens, I would say, correctly with uh, the Shenyu theme tune. その which is an amazing piece by uh, Yuzo Koshiro, 
who did the music for Streets of Rage. Um, Music Shira usually does sort of these more uh, orchestral or sort of classical pieces, uh, but obviously Streets of Rage, he went in a completely different direction. Yeah, it's really went into techno, house. Isn't it? yeah, and he did a great job with that as well. But the um, yeah, he usually does this sort of more orchestral stuff, uh, and it's a beautiful track. What's weird is every episode following this has its own anime theme tune. And I thought it was just because they were like, right, we'll license the music once and use it in episode one and then just have like our own anime theme tune that will cost us less for the other episodes. However, in the background of the scenes, some scenes during episode two and three, the Shenmue theme will play. So clearly it wasn't an issue with getting the rights. They just decided in episode two and three we're going to make this more like a traditional anime with a more sort of jazzy theme tune and lots of techno colours as they do the fight scenes. Like that is a thing that shows do sometimes where the opening episode doesn't mm. have the same opening credit sequence as the rest. Yeah. So like for example, uh, I think High School DXD does that. Right. I don't think the pilot has an opening theme. I know for a fact. Um, sorry to bring up Doctor Who again. The first episode of the I can't remember about Christopher Eccleston, but definitely the first Jodie Whittaker episode, The mm. Woman Who Fell to Earth does not have an opening credit sequence right it just goes in it just starts the episode just starts yeah. and the credits just come up at the bottom you know starring jodie Whittaker. Sure. and it's only from episode two onwards the ghost monument that you get the mm. the new version of the do 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 so the theme tune from do, episode do, do, two do. and three let's sorry. talk no, that's <laughs> right let's talk about the theme tune on this like the one that they used for the rest of the, the other two episodes not it's episode a very one. anime one isn't it's a very it? anime theme tune I, and weirdly enough shenmue is a, a series that again, as I say, demands a lot of reverence for its history, and that theme tune does not give you that reverence, sort of... It it just makes it feel like a bog-standard anime, Mm. um, which... And, and the show isn't a bog standard anime. You can at least say that much, I assume. I mean, it's, bear in mind, I don't know that many animes, no. but most animes I've seen at least have a sense of comedy in them. Yeah, this is not. This was not humorous at all. No, it's very much very more a drama. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we open up with that amazing theme tune from the game, the Shemi Games, and uh, we get the first telling of many. Uh, of the poem that Shenhua hears in Bailu Village um, about the man that comes from the east uh, and, you know, the fact that when he meets with someone there, which ends up being Shenhua herself, um, there will be, like, this great f- fight between the phoenix and the, and the dragon. dragon. Uh, assumedly, the dragon is Landi. When she talks about the phoenix, I would have initially thought the phoenix was Ryu, but I don't think it is, because when the phoenix is referenced, it cuts to Shenhua, which would suggest she's the phoenix, which would make Ryu the, the, the person in between the dragon and the phoenix. I assume that towards the end of the story, and again, this is something that no one will ever know until the story is finished, he has to make a choice. 
uh, between killing Landy mm. or saving Shenhua. I, I this assumed, isn't known in the games either, yeah. I'm guessing, based I assumed, on... I assumed there's going to be an actual dragon and an actual phoenix I mean, up at some point. There could be. The only fantastical element there's ever been in the games is right at the end of Shenmue 2, when you have both the dragon and the phoenix mirror, you reach Bailu Village, and you walk with Shenhua into the cave, where the you saw it at the beginning of the pilot episode of the series, where you've got like these massive versions of the, the dragon mirrors. and phoenix mirrors. Yeah, um, and at the end of the second game, Rio puts the um, oh no the the, the mirrors hot levitate, clap together, and then like all the flames turn on around them, which is seen in the pilot episode as well. Um, and then it sort of ends there with like this like but oh but they, they these nothing objects basically that lifeless objects are levitating and moving by themselves via like this mystical power but Shenmue 3 never references it uh so <laughs> Shenmue 3 goes back to being a lot more realistic so that that fantastical element disappears I'll be honest I'm okay with that I didn't like that fantastical element to the end of Shenmue 2 um I preferred if it was a little bit Less bullshit. <laughs> see, I, see this, the rest of the series isn't fantasy at all. This is where I might be a bit different then, because I, I don't think I've ever seen an anime that didn't have some fantasy elements in mm. it. Like it's something I definitely associate with the fantasy genre. Absolutely. Um, so it's really that might be another reason this felt so different. Yeah. Also, the character designs were other than Joe. <laughs> the uh, the oh, character. I can't even remember that character's name, no. so I'll just call him Joe. It's uh, the, uh, for anyone who's a fan of the series, we're talking about the um, the horrible little bloke in the purple gown who's like, "Hey, Landy and the horrible broken teeth who fights you throughout uh, Shenmue One. Mm. Uh, I can't remember the, his name for the life of me right now, and I can't be bothered to look it up because he's a douche. Uh, other than him, the other characters all have fairly restrained, realistic designs, yes. whereas anime I've seen has always been like like Final Fantasy hair, you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. Goku. Yeah, like Goku's Yeah, there's hair. nothing extreme about the designs yeah. of Shenmue. It's very no based in reality. No one's defying the laws of physics. No, and what's weird is the... Uh, the so I've seen two other animes that are kind of more grounded, in quotation marks, um, which would be... Um, Wings of Honey Amis, Never seen that which one. is a full drama about a man who wants to go into space on his own sort of independent space mission. Mm. Um, and that's very realistic in the way it's designed. And the other one is Perfect Blue, I've which is it's a psychological thriller. You might quite like that one um, about a pop star who uh, tries to make a career as an actress. Um, but she starts having like this psychological breakdown while she's doing it, and because okay. she uh, the character she's chosen has to have like a rape scene, and it starts to screw with her head, and she's wondering if she's ever been through that, and it, it she gets like this split personality problem and stuff like that will come through it. It's kind of I haven't seen it for many years, but it is a bit of a psych job. Um, but in terms of wow. design, that's more naturalistic, but that still has a fantasy element insofar as. Um, you you get snippets into her world, and like a psychological thriller, you can't be 100% certain that what you're seeing is real. Uh, and that's not the case with Shenmue. It's much more straight than that. What you're seeing is essentially just real. Yeah. Um, so Ryo Hazuki wins a karate competition. This isn't in the games, but the people who made the anime, they got the uh, series notes from uh, Yu Suzuki. So he's had a bit of an input on there, and he's given them elements of story that weren't in the games. Um so he wins this uh, karate competition 
And then as he's running home from the karate competition, we're now at the point where it's getting to the opening of Shenmue 1. The problem I have with this point is the karate competition is fine. He fights the other karate guy as an enemy, but wins in one hit. And then he goes to run home instead of take, having drinks with the lads. Uh, but on the way home, he runs into Nozomi, or Harasaki, as she's called in this, because that's her, her surname. Um, but he runs into Nozomi in the park, being attacked by um, two thugs. Now, this happens in the game, but much later. And he has to defend her, because she's protecting a kid from being abu- uh, beaten up by these two th- punks. So, Ryu... Punks. T- punks. Uh, Ryu takes them down, and uh, basically, Nozomi thanks him... And he goes off home and then he runs home and finds Landy at, ha- at, at the house. Now, where the Dreamcast game starts is with Ryu Hazuki running to the home. So we don't get any of the bit with the karate, do- like the karate competition. And the bit with Nozomi in the park happens much later. Someone online, when I said I don't understand why the part with Nozomi in the park is there, because it, it basically it lengthens the intro to the series for no establishable reason. That could happen later. They were like, well, it does happen before. Um, basically it happens in that sequence uh, in Shenmue the movie which is a DVD that was given away with Shenmue 2 on the Xbox and Shenmue the movie is basically just the cutscenes and some gameplay footage edited together into a quote-unquote movie yeah. on a second DVD okay. so that people who played Shenmue 2 on the Xbox could catch up with the story of Shenmue 1 without actually having to play it and without Sega having to port it Um the problem was that while fine, whatever, it, it matches in with what happens in Shenmue the movie, I don't care. It didn't fit in there for the anime to me. That would be the one change I'd make for the pilot for damn sure. I'd remove it because you've already got two villains in the in the opening episode of Shenmue, this, this anime. Mm. You've got the karate guy that he defeats at the karate competition, and then you have Landy, who he doesn't defeat, in the dojo. And that's the whole crux of the story. I think for me, the logic... I'm trying to look at it from a creator's point of view. Mm. I think the logic would be is that... And again, coming at it from a point of view of someone who's never played the game. Sure. That scene really is what establishes that he's a good guy. But it's the way he handles that. Like, you pick up so much about his values from that. Um, It's a typical thing that you get in almost any western film that's got like a good guy character you have to establish if he uses violence it's for the right reasons yeah they will have a scene at the beginning where he just solves a nonsense problem um for me the worst part of the first episode is i don't think it establishes the actual family dynamics very well no because you had to ask me about those yeah i thought Mm. i had no i i thought his dad jumping ahead slightly i thought his dad had died prior to the show Right. And that, uh, remind me of the name's Fukusan. Oh, Fukusan. Fukusan. Oh, fuck you, San. <laughs> Ise-san? Uh, so you've got Ine-san, who Ine-san. is the in, in, in-house maid, and you've got Fukusan, who is like his adoptive brother. Right. And I then you've got Iwa-san, uh, Iwa-sensei, sorry, who is the father. So I thought Iwa-sensei had died prior to the show. Right. And I thought that the other two were his adoptive parents. Right. Until all of a sudden mm. it, they were there again and I was like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, so, I, I mean, honestly, I don't know how you got to that. I, but it, I mean, I it, did fall asleep watching it. Right. So, but uh, what, in a sense... I was not well today, audience. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but Fukusan is the one that I find the most confusing. 
Ine-san, I think, comes across just fine. But Fukusan in the game is very clearly established as a weaker, younger, brotherish sort of character. Um, whereas in the anime, he's got a deeper voice. He's dressed a lot more like Iwao, so he looks more like he would be related to Iwao, even though he's not at all related, related to Iwao in terms of bloodline. Um, and he also seems to take control of certain situations, which he doesn't in the game. Um, you know, so he's also less whiny. In the game, he's a bit whiny because he's just like, oh, but Ryu, why would you do that? Blah, blah, blah. Whereas in this, he's like, don't worry, Ryu. I could not stop him from doing. And you're like, this is a different character. The way mm. it's being played is very different. Um, and I don't think it's for a positive reason. Nozomi's played kind of differently, but I don't think it's a problem. I think it's quite good um, because the way Nozomi's played in the game wouldn't translate well to the anime. She's a lot more forlorn. You have to go out of your way to try and talk to her, to drag information out of her. And with the with Ryu being a sort of um, reclusive person in terms of what he's doing, trying to butt those two heads together in a quick-fire anime would not work. So having her be a bit more upfront and going, oh, but Ryu, why don't we try this? Or Ryu wouldn't try that that works for the series, whereas the change for Fukusan doesn't work for me at all. Um, Landi is done well. The one thing I find a bit odd is that they remove the name of uh, where... So, when Landi attacks Iwao, he mentions that he killed a guy. He gives him a name. Uh, Ju Yanda. No, not Ju Yanda. Um, that's the other guy. I can't remember the guy's name. But he gives him a guy's name, a Chinese name, and he says, that's the name of the man you killed. But in the game, he says, that's the name of the man you killed in Kowloon which is a specific area of China, uh, which is, would be would give you the reason why he, you know that Landy and everything is connected to China. That's not stated. He just says, that's the name of the man you killed. Mm. And I'm like, that, for, just to add in Kowloon would have saved a little bit of time, considering a lot of the issues with this is people thinking that they need to condense the show, uh, condense the story to fit the show format. The fact that they didn't have in Kowloon as just added into line so that he goes, well, it must be something to do with China then because it's to do with Kowloon. Um, it just seemed a bit of an odd way to delay the story a bit. Yeah. Um, to leave that line sort of half done. The other thing I wanted, and this might be a personal thing, but the reason I would have removed the Ryu defending Nozomi in the park from this episode, outside of the fact that you've already got two core villains to set up, one of which disappears very quickly because we never get back to the karate competition. In the game, after... Um, Lundy has killed his father and drives away. When Rio goes out again, he comes across this cat who's now an orphan as well because its mother was killed by Lundy's car as he drove away like a nut job. Um, and it sounds like a kind of small, insignificant moment. That might be why they thought to remove it. But to me, there was a lot of the heart of Shenmue in that scene in that there was a duality. Mm. Um, the idea that... Uh, both Rio and the cat are orphaned by the same man on the same day mm. and that they only basically really survive and succeed at what they at what they're doing now at the rest of at their continuing life because of the good nature and support of others um and i think that's kind of an important story it certainly goes alongside the uh, Iwao's last line which is keep friends uh, those you love close to you mm. uh, which Rio doesn't do that's that's kind of another important part that felt like it just sort of got skimmed over. 
as Ewald dies, keep friends, those you love close to you. See, like, uh. whereas in the game, that that moment lasts longer. Yeah, because I honestly think what's going to happen in the story, and th- th- I've, I've been thinking this for years, this isn't just based on the anime, is that this is a cyclical problem that happens within these families. Ewell killed someone, I'm going to assume that ends up being Landy's dad. And because he killed Landy's dad, Landy grew up strong so he could take revenge on Ewell. He ends up killing Ewell, sparing Rio, and now Rio's on the journey to get stronger to kill Landy. And that's going to happen to Landy will end up having a son that when Rio has to make the choice, if Rio was to kill Landy, I don't think he will because he's meant to show not as a better natured person, but if he ever was to kill Landy, then Landy's son would then be on the one, the one doing the journey to kill Rio. So I think it's a cyclical thing that Rio has to break that cycle, but he's not yet at the right place to break the cycle. He's actually continuing the cycle. So losing that element with the cat, with the dual elements there, and uh, which sets up the Landy... Rio duality of you know this back and forth cosmic murder <laughs> murder cycle. I think you lose something for having that, and you wouldn't have lost anything really from losing the Rio defending Nozomi scene. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I challenge in episode one as well is where they find the information about the Chinese mafia, or how they find out about the Chinese mafia. They go for noodles, don't they? They go for ramen. Ramen. Yeah, yeah. that was episode one. Wow, more yeah. happened in episode one than I remembered. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, a, it, they, they choose ramen as an alternative to hot dogs. I was like, what are you people doing? <laughs> go find another I hot mean, dog. I mean, I too. like ramen too, but <laughs> if it's just between hot dogs and ramen, you better believe I'm picking the dog. Yeah, but the hot dog truck was closed, wasn't it? Find another hot dog truck. You tell me there's one hot dog truck in the whole town? It's, it's quite a small town, Yokosuka, though, so I don't know if there would be more than one hot dog vendor. Go to the fucking shop and buy them. You get them in jars. <laughs> they haven't gone to Tomato minutes. in this series. That's right. They haven't gone to Tomato, and I want to hear the fucking tune from Tomato. Fuck is Tomato? Tomato is the convenience store in Shenmue, and it has the most annoying but memorable fucking convenience store theme tune that plays every time you walk in on loop. Uh, I'll have to play it for you. I'll I'll put it in here so that you guys can hear it and be annoyed by it too if you've never played the games. you like that jamie future me will thank you because i like when there's a surprising sound effect there you go you'll like it you'll like it um but essentially while they're in the ramen joint rio and nozomi are talking about um landy and this old guy a few tables across overhears the name yeah and he's like oh that sounds like chinese mafia i don't know what you're talking about blah 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 now i know they had to shorten it down for convenience but actually, they could have written that guy a lot better. See, the way in the games that Rio finds out about the Chinese Mafia connection is that, A, he hears them talking about fucking Kowloon, so therefore clearly China. And when he's talking to... Uh, so he, he ends up having to talk to the Three Blades, which are three different jobs that Chinese immigrants do, especially if they're illegal immigrants, to try and get money while in Japan, which is cooking, uh, hairdressing... And I can't remember what the third one is, but they, uh, essentially there's these three. It ends up at like the hairdresser. 
might be a fishmonger, but there's basically three... D- yeah, Butcher. That's it. Yeah, yeah. So Butcher... Oh, close. I want, I want some props of that since I've never played it. Eh? There you go. Um, but yeah, you end up at the hairdressers and that's where you get the final uh, clue. But essentially, the it's because they are illegal immigrants that get these three blades jobs because it's a nice, quick and easy way to make money that they know about the Chinese mafia and they then know that the name of Landy is connected to it. It's a, it's a bit weird that... It's a bit weird they didn't go that way because I did notice... Illegal immigration was mentioned like five or six times in yeah, the episode. Yeah. And, and they clearly want us to understand that illegal immigrants hang out at the port. Yes. Because so they that, say that yeah. several times, don't they? Yeah, so the sailors bring them in sometimes. The sailors hang out at the Heartbeats Bar. We find that out in episode two. But yeah, there's a lot of reference to this illegal immigration because that's how the Chinese mafia make their money in the country. Um, so it's odd that they then omit it at the point where it actually makes sense to bring it up. Yeah. So this it just ends up being an old an old guy, some rando going, Oh, it sounds like Chinese Mafia. Don't know the guy, don't know what you're talking about, but he's probably Chinese Mafia. How the fuck would you know then? You know, whereas before, instead of going, Well, you know what, it should have been the chef. They were in the ramen joint. It might as well have been the chef. Sitting there going, Actually, we're part of the three blades and actually Landy is a name that we've heard through the Chinese Mafia when we got brought over here. Fine, cool. Much better way to introduce that element. But overall, you know, that episode was quite cool. It's the one that I ha- it's the one that I've discussed the most. It's the only one I've discussed with fans online. I haven't discussed episodes 2 and 3 um with fans online. Um but you know, so we're going to be doing that here uniquely. Um episode 1 though, what was your views on it? What was your I'm not sure I really had any views. Um Okay. You don't have to have views. I, yeah, I wasn't it didn't grip me. The show hasn't gripped me in three episodes. Okay, just not your sort of story, or yeah, I just want. I, I I said we said on the last episode, didn't we, about how my dad won't watch anything animated. Yeah, and actually, I don't know if maybe I have inherited that from him a little bit, in the sense that literally anything I do watch that's animated is comedy. Right. I can't think of anything serious that's animated that I'm a massive fan of. Right. Um, even the Resident Evil animated films. Like, I appreciate them because they're Resident Evil, but I struggle to watch them because, in my opinion, and I realise I might be insulting a bunch of animation fans and animators, <sighs> drama is all about human connection and no matter how good your graphics are at the minute, they are not good enough that I will feel an actual human connection to your characters. Sure. Um, and I didn't hear. Like, I, 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 I didn't care. Like, I didn't feel sorry for him that his parent, that his dad had died. Sure. Um, That's why I think things like the dual element would have been better. I mean, not necessarily that it would have absolutely sold you on the show, but if they'd actually introduced his like, because he's clearly depressed after his dad dies, but they don't really show it past a very basic point. And having things like the cat element and be like, holy, like you know, this is the breakdown of his his world is breaking he's, down. He's a they very... should have shown that in it. That should have been the story of episode one was how it destroyed his life, yeah. and then episode two onwards is how he rebuilds himself in this new purpose. Based based on what I've seen, mm. and I realise I might be insulting fans of the game here. He doesn't seem like a very interesting character to me. He seems... He, he's incredibly stoic. Yep. Um, 
he seems a bit like, uh, to be fair, exactly what a lot of video game characters are. He seems like a bit of an empty vessel that you're intended to put your own image on. So you would be 100% right. You remember that, so there's a point in episode one where he laughs in front of Nozomi and she goes, oh, it's nice to hear you laugh. Mm. Um, Ryu never laughs in the game. Right. In fact, this version of Ryu is way more emotional than the one in the game. Right. Um, there are a lot of memes around Shenmue, um, at least within the community. I'm not saying necessarily they're, they're massive. But, you know, it, it, <laughs> there is literally... Uh, there was a, a, a TV series, a lot of YouTube TV series, way back in, like, 2008, called Consolvania. Mm. It was a Scottish series. And they were one of many. That, there were several that did this, but they were one of the first that I saw do it. Uh, did the Shenmue drinking game. And the Shenmue drinking game is, as you walk around talking to people, one of the common responses that Rio would give, and bear in mind it was English language, I had an English voice actor who had almost no personality to their voice whatsoever. Their response was, I see. I see. And that was it. So you talk to someone and be like, oh, I don't know what would happen if you went to the Chinese restaurant. I see. And everything was I see. Would you like to buy another? I see. And it's, yeah, so there's... <laughs> One of the things we did notice, though, was that there was a Tails, a little Tails toy on Ryu's desk mm. in his bedroom, uh, and the actual capsule from the capsule toy that it came from. It's interesting it wasn't Sonic, but it is cool to see that there was a, there is already capsule toys being shown. It's not been prominent in an episode, and that may sound weird. Why would you feature that prominently? A lot of people who played Shenmue just basically earned money to buy capsule toys. <laughs> Really? <laughs> yes. This is cool. Maybe I should get another. <laughs> what was weird is, uh, and actually, no, I'll get to that in that episode because I think it's episode three that has Ripsy. Um, but yeah, there's a there was a lot of different. Sega branded stuff in the sh in in the game, uh, but there was also brands from other things that had to be removed when international releases came out. Right. So the Coke can machines in Shenmue, in the Japanese version, were Coca Cola, mm. and you could get Sprite, you could get Fanta, you could get Coca Cola, Diet Coke, all of that. You know, wow. fully branded stuff. When it came out in the in the West, they didn't have the rights to use those brands so they replaced them all with bell cola and you know basically grape soda and stuff like that generic stuff that you know wouldn't have to cost them any money or you know work out any distribution rights it was royalty free it was their own stuff in this series there is at one point i believe it's episode three where there is ripsy seen in the background no it's in episode two which has got the Pepsi logo, but instead of Pepsi, it says Ripsy. And, yeah, and I'm like, well... And then behind Ryu in the next shot is a Bell Cola machine, and you're mm. like, well, why didn't you use the Bell Cola brand? Why, like, instead of doing a rip-off Pepsi, you already have a rip-off brand from yeah. the game. Like, why didn't... It just seemed an odd reference, because Ripsy's not in the games. Anyway, on to episode two. Um... We find Yamagashi-san, who is a local older gentleman, acting a bit shifty around uh, Ryo's father's origin story. He obviously knows something, but refuses to let Ryo know because he's like, you know, I don't want you following the same path or learning such and such about your father. So he won't tell him. Um, so Ryo decides to continue his quest and goes to the Heartbeats bar 
to confront and find some sailors. Now, here's the... (laughs) This is a bit of a disappointment in one way. To be honest, it's not required. But there is a quote, another quote that's quite common from Shenmue, which is, before this point in the game, you go to the Heartbeats Bar and it plays out almost identically. They've done a really honourable job of matching it with the game. But in the game, (laughs) you spend a lot of time trying to figure out where sailors hang out. And rather than just walking into a bar and going, hey, they got a Heartbeats Bar, go there at 7 o'clock or whatever the fuck, you have to ask a load of people... You just spend the whole time saying, I'm looking for some sailors. And it sounds really a bit suggestive. Because in Japan, I don't think they have that connection between sailors and homosexuality. At least not as a common thing. So when they translated it, and you've just got this English like, English voice guy just going around going, I'm looking for some sailors. You're just like, oh, God, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that, Rio. And so there was no... I would have at least wanted one one quote of him asking for some sailors but never mind when he goes in there he beats up a bunch of sailors and he finds out that he's after a guy called charlie that's the guy he wants and charlie also hears that rio is looking for him but charlie thinks rio might be working for chen who is another uh, someone else who's working on the illegal um migration circuit in some way shape or form so charlie steals a, a child soccer ball in order to goad rio into a fight all of his minions get beaten up uh, and that child comes back in in episode three very briefly but that that is also accurate to the game nozomi wants to go to the same university as rio but he won't likely won't go because he's now focused on his father's murder but he doesn't tell her that revenge revenge um (laughs) uh, so while she's in her room that night she's sleeping above the flower shop she gets a call and it's from her father in canada that's the first sign we get that nozomi isn't full japanese i don't think they're gonna go into it too much but yeah so in the games nozomi is half canadian half japanese uh she lives in japan with her mother but her father is canadian and lives and works there eventually what will happen in the by the end of shenmue one and this is the again where the the important part of iwao hazuki's line keep friends those you love close to you is that ryu doesn't listen to him Mm. and they even use that like it's not stated in the game that Ryu doesn't listen to him like in in open words but it is in the anime you know he listens to his his dad tells him what you're doing isn't strong enough you're not strong enough yet and he goes I wasn't listening but now I can do this the whole point in the game is that he never listened to his dad he doesn't listen to that final statement so keep friends those you love close to you clearly Nozomi is very close to him very important but because he won't commit anything to her because he wants to go out for revenge instead Nozomi goes to university in Canada so he loses that close connection by the end of Shenmue 1 as well Tom the hot dog seller who's also his close friend also leaves to go back to America oh really yeah because and so all of his friends start to leave him and it's he doesn't care because he's so like directly focused on taking down land d yeah and i think that's that's a sad element to his story that gets lost in the anime it it certainly doesn't seem to be referenced anywhere um maybe it will come in when we get to the point when nozomi and tom leave um and there might be something more emotional there but there's certainly been no build-up for it like there was in the game sailors pick up ryu from the arcade and say oh we know you we, we know you're looking for charlie we know whether he is come with us take him to a building site 
and then he gets attacked by Charlie and his goons. He wins that fight, and Charlie warns Rhea that Landy isn't to be messed with. And then Yamagashi san the old man again, reveals to Rio that he knew about Rio's father and uh, directs him to go to a pottery store to get the Chinese letter he's got translated because it's in a really old style of Chinese that yeah. most Chinese people now can't read. Be a bit like something in Gaelic here. Yeah, so it's like it is an English language, but it's not an English language almost anyone would understand. Uh, so yeah, it's very and because there, there's so many different Chinese dialects, it's very you know mo- the most common one is Mandarin, but there's loads of them. Yeah, um, Cantonese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So th- it's it's not it, it's very believable that there would be a form of Chinese that most Chinese people wouldn't know. Now you made a statement at the end of episode two. That's kind of the end of that episode. You made an in- I think an interesting observation. Again, bear in mind. Uh, a lot of the fans said to me about episode one, the reason that they are doing things in a certain manner is that they're trying to speed the story along to keep an interest in for people who aren't necessarily fans of the games. Uh, I found it interesting that you stated that you felt episode two was a filler episode. Yeah. 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 He, he, he doesn't make any further progress in his quest. Really. The Mm. whole driver of the episode is trying to get that translated. He doesn't get it translated. Now it doesn't help that, it's really bad because with with a lot of shows, I'll always give them three episodes grace mm. to see if I get into them. Yeah, but I, maybe it just doesn't help that I'm not feeling great today, and I fell asleep um, <laughs> because I wasn't because I wasn't feeling great. I do think you're right though. He but doesn't I, travel anywhere really in episode two. Yeah, I just wasn't interested. Like, but by episode two, I'd firmly decided I was not interested in the show. Wow, um, and that made episode three. It, Basically, unless episode three was a fucking golden piece of television, nothing was going to attract me back to it. I feel very much... It's funny you mention about... Um, it's got to be accessible to people who haven't played the games. I, I feel very much that, like, no, no, this is something that only people who've played the games will be interested in. Mm. I don't think there's an audience for this outside of that. I agree I, with you. Yeah. I absolutely agree with you, and that was my argument with them online. I was like, I don't think you're going to get new fans based on the anime. No. They'd have to play the game first to get it. Yeah, I agree. I don't think there's... You know, I mean, Japan cranks out... I don't know the exact figure, but Japan cranks out, like, at least 100 new animes a year. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, fighting the, for space in that. Fighting for space with an anime that doesn't fill most of the anime tropes. Mm. Like, those tropes are tropes for a reason. They're popular. People like the whole ridiculous hairstyles, the the big, the ridiculous body figures, the the mm. humour, the weird pervy stuff. I do, lo- I do appreciate that they're doing something different, though, and they're not just... Like shoehorning Shenmue into a mold yes. that doesn't fit it. I'm glad that they're taking it seriously, but the, your problem with that is that this is only for people Fans. who've played the games. Mm. There is no audience outside of that for this. No, I, I, yeah. And what I, coming back to your thought on episode two being a filler, I mean, a lot of the elements that happen in episode two are major scenes within the game that people remember fighting in the heartbeats bar is a big scene in the game um and it's a big scene in episode two as well chasing down charlie maybe not so much to be honest i don't remember much about charlie oddly yamagashi san has been elevated in the show because he's just some old dude in the game whereas in this he's now like i knew all about your father and i'm like he wasn't quite that he knew a bit about your father's history but he wasn't like 
I was there with the bro back in day. It wasn't like that. He was he was just an old guy who knew that there was something more to Weir Well. Um, I understand why they've done that. It's, it makes things a bit speedier. But you're right. To start the episode, his whole point in ep- like for 23 minutes of episode is I need this translated. And by the end, he he someone goes get that translated. And that's the answer throughout episode two. He hasn't really traveled despite having these fights, despite going through all this stuff. Um, it does make those moments feel like they're there only for fans. Yeah. Because, like, I remember the Heartbeats bar. It was a great point in the game. And it's really honorably done in the anime. Um, I remember fighting Charlie. It's done well enough in the anime. And the bit with the, where... Um, Someone kicks the soccer ball at you and you have to grab it and then you have to fight Charlie and give the kid back his soccer ball. I remember that from the game. But again, if if the story doesn't progress, then that's a bit of a weird... Mm. Like, it's weird to go through all of those paces for no real uh, story-based gain. And the issue we've got, as I say, is Season 1 is going through Shenmue 1 and 2, which both are very story-heavy games. Um, Shenmue 1 could be shortened down a little bit more because it's one of the chapters rather than multiple of them. Um, and by episode 3, we haven't left Yokosuka for China yet. Shenmue 2 takes place in China. Um, so it's a bit strange that they've spent a whole episode with with something that's almost just filler if you're not a fan of the game. And here's the thing, I wouldn't have caught that episode 2 was filler if you hadn't caught it, but you're right. Because the story doesn't progress. Yeah. Um, it's because it's full of all those scenes I remember. So for me, it's a great nostalgia dump. For you, you're just like, but nothing's happening. actually happening for the story. Yeah. So episode three, we open up with Shen Ha questioning who he is in the local village's poem. This poem comes up a lot. And I don't mind per se that the poem is there and it's said every now and then. But every episode it's said about two or three times. And it gets a bit monotonous. I'm like, for a series that's going right, we haven't got much time to tell the rich story of Chen Yu. They waste a lot of time on things. Yeah. And I feel the poem is one that they waste a lot of time on. And you actually mentioned, certainly by episode three, you're like, it's that fucking lamb again. That's always around Bailu Village. The thing is, the lamb is not that important in is Shenmue it, 2 or 3. Is it all three episodes so far have opened with the lamb? We have opened with the lamb before Shenhua. I mean, it's, it's a cute lamb. It's a cute lamb. But it's the, the, what's weird is the lamb has nothing to do with the story and has never like is not important in Shenmue 3 when you're in Bailu Village. It's literally just thrown in there going, oh, remember the lamb? It's not Japan because there's a lamb in it. I'm, like, I'm pretty certain there's fucking lambs in Japan somewhere. But either way. She's questioning who he is in the local village poem, um, and the guy she's talking to clearly has the hots for her, and he's just like, well, whoever he is is obviously a weirdo, you know, that he's coming all the way from the Far East to Little Bailu Village, you know, why would he come here? Um, It doesn't dissuade her. She's obviously magnetically fascinated by this poem uh, to the point where she's got no other life. Uh, We then see the Mad Angels... Uh, which is run by this sort of big, darker-skinned guy um, who spends most of it in the shadows, first of all, until he's sort of revealed. Um, But the leader of the Mad Angels has heard about Ryu battering Charlie. And so I thought Chen was the only other person that could take on Charlie, but it's interesting that there's this third wheel. Turns out the Mad Mad Angels are another group of people who uh, help illegally migrate people from China into Japan. There seems to be quite a lot of them. It's one dock. You'd think that there would be... (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, Yokosuka, maybe, maybe there's a history to that, that Yokosuka is full of illegal immigration, maybe, mm. because of the Docklands there. But like England, Japan is an island. There's more than one dock. Surely there would be... Surely it'd be like one dock would be owned by one mafia or group and another dock would be owned by another unless there's a yeah. turf war. But either way, everyone's coming through Yokosuka because why the fuck not? Ryu goes to uh, the pottery store that Yamakashi-san suggests and it, the grandma the, the older woman who runs it sorry happens to be the grandma of the soccer boy he protected in the second episode um, and she's able to read old Chinese I've written read old Charlie yes. in the mirror <laughs> isn't it yeah so you have to put it in the mirror that, that was in the game as well you had to mirror it with the woman in the pottery store and she'd be able to read it for you um and it says father sky nine dragons mother earth common allies as four kind of separate words which end up being kind of useful uh however it also states the fact that landy is coming there's you know the worry there um so he and it's got a phone number connected to it so ryu calls the phone number and it goes through to this voice that says father sky and he has to respond with nine dragons and Mother Earth. And he responds with common allies. And then after, <laughs> did you like that? I'm using the microphone. He goes through that and goes, the guy comes back, warehouse number eight. And he goes, uh, is this the Chen residence? Who the hell is this? And the guy hangs up. Yeah. So clearly he's like, oh shit, this isn't the guy I thought it would be. Um, he checks the number back using, uh, I think it's 114 they use as a, like a... 104. 104, to basically check the, the uh, trace the, the source of a call, or a source of a phone number, and it leads back to the docks. So, Ryu goes to the docks, and there's a guy called Goro, he's not mentioned in the anime, but I know him from the games, because uh, he, he kind of becomes a friend of yours, <laughs> after you beat the shit out of him. Goro, eh? Yeah. Gives a perfect chance to insert... <laughs> As in, you actually have to edit in. Oh, don't worry. I, I, I will edit the like, funk out of that. I'm going to make that a recurring joke. It's, it keeps coming up. And yeah, you found, the, you found it. You found it. Well done. Well done. Um, yeah, but Goro is holding up a, a guy at the docks trying to like shake him down for money. Uh, so Ryu beats the shit out of him to say, help the guy out. Uh, and then Goro immediately becomes his lackey. This does happen in the game as well. Um, and basically points him to warehouse eight and goes oh warehouse eight is over there oh by the way the security guards get off at seven o'clock so he waits till night to to sneak in uh, and as soon as he sneaks in so in <laughs> so i did see a comment on this from a shenmue fan which was quite funny which it was taking the piss out of people that had a problem with the anime mm. uh, going oh god episode three was completely inaccurate uh rio didn't fail getting into warehouse number eight 17 times before he finally made it because that section's quite difficult, difficult um because you have to it, rather than what, what happens in the anime is as soon as he sneaks in he gets like captured in a bag and dragged to warehouse yes, eight because I, I believe i made my brilliant pun at that point of well he walked right into that one yeah um but the problem is is like in the game you that doesn't happen you have to find warehouse eight and walk to it through like the maze that is the warehouse docks um but the you've got security guards there walking around with flashlights and if they spot you, they and it's kind of a bit of a wide circle that they've got to spot you with. So a lot of people, including myself, have failed to get to warehouse number eight multiple nights in a row. That <laughs> should be one. Um, and obviously that doesn't happen here because why would you put that in the anime? You just wouldn't. Um, but yeah, so he wakes, he gets the cover taken off of him, and he's uh, met by Master Chen, a guy in a red. 
Uh, it looks like a red Chong Sam. I don't know what the male version of the Chong Sam is. Maybe it's called the same thing, but it's kind of like a male version of that. And uh, and yellow tr- and sorry, white trousers because obviously men wear trousers with their Chong Sams, and women have to have mm, buttocks. Uh, that I didn't make the rules. I didn't make the rules. Uh, and he talks to Ryu about the fact that he knows Yoanda Ju, the guy who wrote the letter to Iwao that he had translated it from Chinese. And he reveals that Yuan Zhu lives in Hong Kong, or at least he, when he knew him, he lived in Hong Kong. Um, he also reveals that Landy is a cartel executive. He's not just a lackey. He is a guy in charge of a very particular cartel called the Chiyu Men. Um, and we then later find out when Ryu was gone that Guizhang, who wears a grey suit, is very popular in the first game, um, and he questions Chen, who is actually his father, why he's helping Ryo. And he, uh, Chen says to uh, Guizhang that he's helping him because Yuanda Zhu actually requested he help. Right. So he's actually under orders from Yuanda Zhu uh, Yanda as well. It, uh, because it's Japanese, you can take this one of two ways. I think Zhu Yanda is how it's said in the game, but it's called Yanda Zhu, I think, in the anime, or the other way round, um, because. I, I, one of them is the surname, and in Japanese they say the surname first. Ryo is then looking for the Phoenix Mirror because it's revealed by Chen that the Phoenix Mirror is uh, still somewhere, probably at his dojo, yeah. and that if they're, they're normally kept together, and the fact that Landy only has the Dragon Mirror means the Phoenix Mirror is hanging around. Ryo is looking through all of his dad's belongings, which is a nice little throwback to the game in a way, um, in the fact that he's pulling out all the drawers in his dad's bedroom and stuff like that and removing scrolls from the wall, which is exactly what you do in the game. You just start pulling the shit out of everyone's rooms <laughs> to try and find stuff. And while he's there, he finds a sword. He doesn't take the sword yet, but actually the sword is an important part of this uh, this little quest for the uh, Phoenix Mirror. Chen Sun Guizhang follows Ryo uh, through Yokosuka and then attacks him and wins the fight, showing that he's also a better martial artist than Ryo at this point. Yeah. Says to Ryo that he's here to um, serve as Ryo's bodyguard because uh, Ryo, for whatever reason, Ryo is important and he can't be allowed to die. I think specifically because they want the Phoenix Mirror as well. Uh, Nozomi gives Ryo the idea of a secret room. Because yeah, so I was a bit like, how come you couldn't think of that? Mm. Like, secret room. Yeah, so he, he talks to uh, the girls, one of which is Nozomi, one of which is another girl you talk to in the game, but she's not an important character, to be honest. Um, and he's like, where would you hide a mirror? And they're like, we wouldn't hide a mirror, you know, why would we hide a mirror? And he's like, well, unless you put it in, like, a secret room or something, that would be cool. And he's like, a secret room? Uh, Great idea. So while he's at home, he has a fight with Fukusan just for, like, for funsies. And then after they're done, they start cleaning up the dojo. And while they're there, Fukusan notices that the Hazuki family crest is hidden behind a couple of scrolls on the wall. Mm. So, uh, and it turns, and there's a slot next to it as well. So there's, and... So Ryu gets the sword, takes the um, the hilt off, the, the cross guard, puts that in, because it, it's the same as the Hazuki family crest, yeah. puts that into the wall, and then slides the sword into the socket on the wall. Like a giant key. Yeah, and that works, because that works in the game. That's how it's done. That's how it's done, baby. Um, baby. Finds himself the secret passage, and underneath which he finds the phoenix mirror. And some light reflects off the Phoenix Mirror. It doesn't actually show where the light's from. <laughs> it's because he's underground in a secret room. But um, either way, some light gets to the Phoenix Mirror and it shows him a letter. Or it looks like a letter he, uh, hanging out of this bookshelf. 
as he pulls it out, it's got some writing on the back, and on the front, it shows a picture of um, Iwao Sensei, his dad, and some other unknown man, uh, hold, like, hugging in China, and it says that they're in, I think, Hong Kong at that point, uh, but it shows that they're friends, uh, whoever this other mysterious guy is. Now, so far in the games, we've never found out who that guy is yet. Uh, however, my thought is that that guy is Fukusan's dad, and as part of and and has basically his dad fell victim to this cyclical, the, the, my idea of the cycle Violence, that there is, yeah. yeah, between Landy and Rio and probably their families going back. It may not always be those families. It might just be that whoever gets killed, basically, but it normally happens within those families. It feels like Fukusan's dad, because in the game it looks really close to Fukusan, mm. whereas it doesn't look so much like him in the anime. Um, it's very possible to me that he got killed and his son was adopted by Iwao because he felt guilty for the death. Yeah. Um, we never get an answer to that, though, in, the, in this episode, and we don't have, certainly haven't had one in the game oh, yet. No. It could be anything. Oh, by the way, um, Ryu takes the Phoenix Mirror to uh, Chen, and Chen says that the mirrors could be used to revive Chi Yu, who is a demon that can destroy worlds. Now, that connects it to the Chi Yu men, which is the uh, cartel that Landy is the executive of. Uh, the Chi Yu men being. I'm guessing followers of Chi Yu. Yeah. Now, I, what I will give praise for in the anime for this is that that's quite clear and very clearly established. It wasn't very clear in the games, at least it wasn't to me, that Landy's Chi Yu men had a connection to a demon called Chi Yu. Right. Um, it may have been in there in the dialogue somewhere, but it wasn't particularly focused on in the way it was in the anime. So I thought that was quite well done, at least. And then the uh, Joe, as we're calling him, the... <laughs> In purple, attacks to try and grab the mirror, but is eventually chased off and doesn't have it. Um, Chen then reveals that Landy will disappear to Hong Kong and Ryu intends on following him. And that's the end of episode three. Yes. Um, dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Now, I'm going to assume that there's going to be at least one more episode in Shenmue 1 because we've got to get Shen, uh, Shenmue... I keep calling him Shenmue, he's that Ryu. Um, we have to get Ryu from... Being Japan in Yokosuka, yeah, onto the boat. There's some people that are wondering if episode, if an episode or two might take place on the boat. Mm. Uh, because, as I say, as I stated, um, Shenmue 1 uh, was like chapter 1 of the 16 chapters that yeah. Yu Suzuki wrote. Chapter 2 was to take place on the boat to China, but it was chopped when people moaned that the game was too slow-paced. Mm. So Yu Suzuki removed Chapter 2, and it came out as just a comic instead. Okay. And then Shenmue 2 is like Chapter 3 to Chapter 7. Um, so there's there, there's a kind of a gap. So essentially in the game, Shen, uh, Ryu gets on the boat, and then in Shenmue 2 he gets off the boat. Um, so, But there was a whole point, and uh, Joe is meant to have attacked him on the boat, according to the comic. And again, Joe is the... Guy in purple that I can't remember the name of. Yeah. So <laughs> we'll just call him Joe. So that's the, that's the three episodes that are out so far. By the time this comes out, episode four will probably be out. Um, I'm not going to update it. I don't think Jamie wants to watch another episode of this, unfortunately, despite the fact that it's the best anime ever produced. Fucking hell no. <laughs> I will watch it, though, because I'm a big fan of the series. Uh, of course. But, but, okay, so number one... Let's let let's talk about worst lines. I don't think there is one in this. It's very hard for there to be a worst line in something that's not in our own language. It is, yeah. It we is. found one in Sega Hard Girls, but Sega Hard Girls had the benefit, and we only came to it later, which was spillage. 
mm. because it was so ridiculous and kept on using it. Yeah. I honestly don't think there is an equivalent to spillage within uh, Shenmue at all, which is, no. to be honest, to its benefit, not to its detriment. Um, but it does mean that there isn't a worse line I can really think of to throw in, uh, which is weird. That gives us three, three episodes on the trot without one. God damn it, could it possibly be that video game movies are getting better? I think it might be. Oh! Um, they're either, well, they're I, getting worse. No, 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 I don't think they're getting worse. They think, are, because they're not memorable at all now. <laughs> so I'd say Uncharted is memorable, but it doesn't have a memorably bad line. But it's like Marvel movies. We stated this in the Uncharted yeah. episode. They're getting to a point where they're not terrible, but they're also not phenomenal. Yeah. So there's nothing, you know, whereas, like, none of them are phenomenally bad. No. Either. So, like, something like Street Fighter the movie is phenomenally bad. So it's got bad lines, but you're like, this is so cheesy, I love it. Whereas something like this... or So let's talk about previous episodes of this rather than give a conclusion on this so far. But things like Cuphead Show are okay enough as mm. what they are, but they're nothing that you would write home about. They're not super cheesy enough to have a bad line. Um, yeah. But they're not necessarily phenomenal on lines either. Um... Let's talk. So let's talk your opinion. Would you recommend it, or would you not? And why would you, or why would you not? No, no, I wouldn't recommend this, except maybe to the most diehard Shenmue fan. And even then, it sounds like the uh, like there's a bit of disagreement in the community. Anyway, most people are very um, positive on it. To be fair, yeah. Um, it really depends. Like, if this is going to finish the story, mm. then I would recommend the whole show. But if this is literally going to get to the same point the games are at and then also <laughs> stop, yeah. what's the point? Yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that. So um, no, I, I can't. Eat. You wouldn't recommend it. I found it. it too dull. Okay, okay. Um, it's really awkward because for myself, I'm, I mean, I'm really enjoying the show. I know it sounds like I've been a bit negative because I've mentioned things that I don't like. And there are Shenmue fans that will hear me saying certain negatives about the show and think that I'm going to come to the end and go, this is shit, mate. I don't really like it. Why is it not like the game? I really like this show. I think it uh, holds the right amount of reverence for the series. I don't think it gets everything right. I think to have br- to try and bring in an audience that's not Shenmue fans... It really needed to hit the emotional element more, especially since there isn't anything fantastical about fantastical about Shenmue, and they didn't add any fantasy. Which, to be honest, I would have hated it if they had added the fantasy. They needed to hit the emotional element a lot more, and they failed to do so. It needed to be a, like a, a tearjerker drama, really. Um, certainly, episode one needed to be a, like because so you really cared about Rio's journey. Mm. It just seemed to be like let's quickly get to the point where we go on his journey, not without caring really much about the setup, um, because the emotional weight wasn't there. His dad has died. That's quite a traumatic thing. And all of the other parts to Shenyu that build on the trauma are missing from the show, like the cat and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And instead, it's just like, how can we fit as many fight sequences into an episode as possible? And that's fine. The fight sequences are competently done. They're fun enough. But a fight does not a story make. You know, the fight has to be there to add to a story, not as a replacement for it. Agreed. Um, And unfortunately, it doesn't quite feel that way in this show. Especially, as we said, episode two, realistically, story-wise, as much as it had some great fights in it, and as much as it was quite loyal to the games, the story doesn't actually progress. 
through that whole episode he starts off i need to get this translated and he ends up going i need to get this translated to be honest charlie was a nothing character in the game he kind of got elevated to being a, a an episodic villain but he wasn't strong enough to be one what they should have done with the amount of minor villains there are in Shenyu, each episode should have been like for after episode one of course episode two episode three onwards there should have been a key villain to defeat yeah. And then each episode was about how to defeat that villain, and that next villain brings them the next clue. part of the story. Yeah, and the next clue. Um, but what we have instead is it just seems to flip from fight to fight. Um, I am enjoying it, I, but I'm enjoying it as a fan. And this is why I kind of am glad that Jamie got to watch it as not a fan, um, because I really wanted to get a another perspective as to whether or not this show does work for non-fans. I didn't think it would, but I didn't have any proof of it. I think Jamie is kind of the proof of the pudding of that. There was a lot of... there was Not a lot, but there was a few times where he had to ask me what's going on. Why is he going here now? Why is... You know, who's Charlie? (laughs) Charlie bit me. (laughs) Charlie says, always ask your mum before you go somewhere. What? Isn't that, the, isn't that the quote from Prodigy? Charlie says, always tell your mummy before you go off somewhere. From Prodigy? Yeah. The Prodigy. What, the band The Prodigy? Yeah. The only quote I Charlie know from... Charlie says... Literally the only quote from Prodigy I know is, smack my bitch up. Yeah. Smack my bitch up. They're a terrible fucking band. No. Oh, wait, you're not allowed to say that, are you, because one of them's dead. Did no, that's not die? the point. You can never say that. They were a great the band. Prodigy, I can't believe... You like metal. They're like the only dance Ooh, music that metal like is metal. love. I don't like metal. Yes, you do. I like oh, no, classic you're... rock. Mm, I like a you? little bit of metal, but well, you mostly listen to classic emo, rock. so you don't really like classic rock. I love, like, Alice Cooper. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you Skinner, do. Like... You know, shit like yeah, that. Yeah, but you should still like Prodigy. Nah, it just ain't for me, bruv. Man. Well, they're not a terrible band. They're great at what they do, even if you don't like what they no, do. No, I, I like to assume the world revolves around me. It's why I, it's why I also happily brand Oasis a shit band. Oh, but Oasis are a shit band. That's different. Yeah, but, well, they, to be fair, they're clearly not, because they had all that success. But I dislike them terribly. No, fair enough. I don't like Oasis either. Weirdly enough, though, something that you would hate just as much as oh, Oasis, um, I have a version of Wonderwall that's by a Spanish electronic dance music band. Jesus. <laughs> you hate EDM music, so imagine yes, EDM Wonderwall. And so- I have to say, the vocalist is better because it's not. Wow! I hate the whine that they have on Oasis Wonder songs. Wonder 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 It's like, yes. dude, fuck off. <laughs> and I'm a nasally motherfucker myself. <laughs> oh my god. Right, yeah. where were anyway, we? Uh, so we, we were just chopping up the show. So uh, you wouldn't recommend it, is what you're saying? No. No, and 
uh, would you recommend it to fans? Maybe? No, no, you wouldn't even recommend it to fans. Well, the community's already arguing over it. Like, like I said, it's one of those questions that I can't answer unless the show continues. No, that's if, fair it, if it goes, if it wraps up the whole story, it does all sixteen chapters, like you said. Mm. Then yes, of course, I'd recommend it to fans because it's sure. like, look, here is the conclusion to this thing you love. But if it's only going to go as far as the game's got and stop anyway, what's the point? Yeah, you might as well play the games at that point. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, <laughs> I see your point. Kind of. Could you imagine if it's what's kind, his yeah, name? What's his, what's his name? That Yurishiki would put about Chow. What the creator? What's oh, his Yu Suzuki. Yu Suzuki. Really not that difficult a name. Um, <laughs> we've thrown a lot of Japanese names around tonight. Hazuki, Harasaki. Like, what was Yu Suzuki? Yamagashi yeah. son. Um. <laughs> Could you imagine it turns out Yu Suzuki is just the biggest troll in the world and he's never intended for all 16 chapters to be released? Maybe there is no more than three chapters. He just always goes to the last part and then stops. (laughs) I I did have a cruel scheme the other day where I suggested to a friend that imagine if you created the most uh, intriguing television show of all time, like real edge of your seat viewing like a mystery type thing yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone's tuning in week on week and then the last episode you sell as an nft oh. to someone so imagine the bidding war though i'm talking like imagine yeah, yeah, yeah. you created a show that everyone watched and then you were like right it's like game you, of thrones and then yeah if yeah. they hadn't ruined it well and be you like, wouldn't have known though if you told it as an nft because no one would have fucking bought it exactly but mm. everyone would oh imagine the bidding war oh. yeah imagine the scam thing is the, someone's gonna do that at some point aren't they the closest Fuck i've NFTs. ever seen to something like that happening and it's a weird series to talk about it with was uh, VHS videotape. Actually, I think it was a digital download anyway. But there was there was a particular episode of, um, I think it's called The Adventures of Ronald McDonald. It was a McDonald's VHS mm-hmm. tape series that was animated by the Rugrats team. Mm-hmm. And they were basically, to get each videotape, it was only in America as well, I believe, um, you had to go into a McDonald's, obviously, and buy like the Happy Meals to get a videotape. And there was, like, I think four or five of them officially released. And then there was one more that was kind of lost like lost material. People saw, like, a couple of images from it. And then it was, like, it was... And it was written on the back of the box that this there was this particular uh, episode that no one had ever seen. And it's like, what the fuck happened to this thing? And it turned out that something happened uh, where McDonald's basically stopped doing the promotion when that episode was due to be released mm. on videotape. So the only way it ever got released was for a very brief period of time, you could go onto, I think it was either McDonald's or the Rugrats creator's website, and you could buy it directly from them. Right. But that was the only way to get it. And obviously most people didn't do that. They, pardon me. They got the episodes from McDonald's, and when they ran out, they assumed that that was the end. So there's this episode that was lost for a long-ass period of time, uh, since obviously been found. But I believe when it first appeared on eBay, people were like, bidding the shite out of it. Uh, yeah. So it racked up a lot of money. Though that kind of makes sense, unlike an NFT, because it's a physical item. Yeah. Whereas uh, an NFT is... or make-believe. Yes, it's scam. Uh, there's um there's actually a uh so you know Doctor Who's got a bunch of missing episodes from its classic period. Sell them as an FT. That have been assumed lost forever because yeah. the BBC wiped the tapes. Yeah, they they um, binned a lot of stuff as well, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, so a lot of them have been being recreated as animations, but out of, even though those animations sell well, 
uh, the BBC has mysteriously cancelled that project. And the rumour is that's because the original tapes have been... Well, not the originals, but copies of the originals have been found in a private collection somewhere in the Middle East. Uh, like in Saudi Arabia or somewhere. But, it's a weird place to find Doctor Who. <laughs> but that person who owns them mm. is basically demanding an extortionate amount of money from the BBC to give them Jeez. back. Yeah, whereas previously, I think people have, like, when people have found them, because literally what the BBC's had to do to restore some is they literally had to hunt down people who had, like, taped it off the TV. Yeah, yeah. um, And they donated it to the BBC. Mm. But apparently this guy, if the rumour's true, is literally just like, $100 million, please. Well, what they should do... See, this is this is how you get around shit like that. Yeah, of course he's going to go, right, I want $100 million because this has never been heard of before. You continue making the animated versions yeah. based on what you've got. And then once you've completed it, the value of that that item is reduced Yeah, because, well, it's already out there, mate. Yeah, we don't with really... all the original sound. Yeah, it's yeah, only yeah. the image that's been redone. Yeah, exactly. So you'd be like, well, we've already got it, mate, so we don't really need it. And then it'd be like, well, please, like, it's worthless to him if no one wants it. So it's just a case of waiting for him to bring the price down. Yeah. By going, well, it's already out, mate. Why would we need yours? Oh, well, what about for uh, 20 million? Uh, mate, we've already got ours released, so we don't really need to worry about it. Oh, what about 5 million? Uh, it's looking better, but you know what? We've still kind of got our versions. You know, it's, there's, there's ways yeah. you can try and sort of bring the price down that way, uh, which you couldn't do with an NFT because it's a scam. Uh, <laughs> we cannot reiterate that enough. No. Uh, what I love about arguing with people who are pro NFTs is asking them what you can do with an NFT, and almost none of it requires an NFT. Almost none of it. And the closest I've ever gotten to a coherent argument for NFTs is well, it supports the blockchain. Okay, so what good, what's the so blo- is NFT related to cryptocurrency then? Yeah, it's kind of got a connection. But the question is then is like, okay, so NFT supports the blockchain. What's the blockchain good for? Well, it supports NFTs. Well, isn't so it's cyclical? Isn't, it's isn't, no... isn't all the blockchain good for is destroying the environment? <laughs> yes. So it's just like so it's cyclical, and, and there's uh, what was it? There was a company that came out with the idea of doing crypto, uh, doing NFTs themselves, but they said that it was um, they found a way to do it that was good for the environment. And people were like fuck off. <laughs> Didn't believe them. And then they reneged on it. I think it was Team 17 who made Worms. Mm. Uh, they were like, we've got this uh, green way of doing NFTs, so you can buy Worms NFTs. And people were like, fuck yourself, yeah, Team Worms 17. series, that hasn't been relevant in 20 years. <gasps> it's true. Um, the, the last Worms game was like Worms Armageddon on my Dreamcast. No, no, there has been more recent ones, but again, not particularly relevant. Yeah. <laughs> no one really seems to give a toss. Um, and I think it's because they're more interested in these sort of scams. It annoys me as well because Team 17 have some really great games uh, that they've only ever released once mm. and they never re-release the bloody things. So, for example, on my Xbox 360, I've got Alien Breed 1, 2 and 3, which were the remakes they made, I think, in the early 2010s or the late mm. 2000s. And they're really good, yeah. but they're not backwards compatible. And I'm like, the only reason they wouldn't be is because Team 17 don't want to resell them. Mm. Or they just can't be asked, or whatever it is, because it's Microsoft that do all the work. So it's like, why aren't these backwards compatible? You could sell them again and make money. Yeah. Why wouldn't money, you do that? Money, yeah. money, money, and money, another money. one, which is even weirder, is uh, the original Alien Breed mm. from the Amiga, which is available on the PlayStation 3, and I have it. 
it's like a retro remake where you can like like they do with a lot of these retro remakes you can switch between the tradi- the original graphics and modern graphics mm. um and you can switch between the retro soundtrack and a new soundtrack really atmospheric in fact i think actually better than the remake trilogy that they did yeah. uh, just because of the atmosphere it was able to generate might be a bit of nostalgia on my part as well but the atmosphere in the music was genius um but that only ever came out on the ps3 yeah. And it's not available anywhere else. And I'm like, why? Yeah. Like, if you don't, if you want to make money, re-release that shit. You could even re-release that with the other trilogy as a pack. I said, I'd buy it on disc. Yeah. I don't care. I'd rebuy that stuff. But they don't bother. And it's like instead they're going, oh, you can buy on Worms NFTs. Fuck off. <laughs> make some games. <laughs> So yeah. Anyway, that's it. We're, we're ranting on uh, off topic now. Would I recommend Shenmue to hardcore fans? Yes. However, as Jamie says, the value of this series can't really be judged at this point because it does de- like this will have huge value to fans if it finishes the story. If it doesn't finish the story, it's nothing more than an interesting curio. Um, because what's, I mean, season one will only go through Shenmue one and two anyway. So we'll have all of that story in the games and told a bit better. If they get a season two, that will go through Shenmue three, no doubt. And maybe Shenmue four, at least for the benefit of having a bit more storyline, that might be unique. Um, will it get past two seasons? I think it might get a second season just because of the intrigue for the first season. But as far as a season three, I don't know if it could make it that far. Um, if it does, that would be interesting, and by that point, it would definitely be worth yeah. your time as a fan. It is worth noting that I, the little I do know about the anime industry is because um, obviously anime is so labour intensive to create. Yeah, um, it is rare for anime shows to go for many, many seasons now. Um, like even when they're popular, like uh, High School DxD, as far as I'm aware, has always done solid viewing figures. Yeah. Um, season five still isn't here yet uh basically because the studio was like yeah but there's other new properties we want to try and see if they're more popular right we'll get to season five eventually but it's not on our maybe on the cards right one now one day and there's a global pandemic now so yeah, yeah. well what's what would be useful for shenmue is because it's only 13 episodes i think so is dxd oh okay it's, it's not one of these dragon ball z ones yeah, where it's where it's 50 like episodes yeah. A season. but so we're looking at 12 to 13 episodes a season each episode is the standard about 24 minute length if you include both intro and outro credits and um so it it should in theory cost a bit less but the production value is quite good i have to say on shenmue um might be the same with high school dxd um so i think they've they've done what western productions are doing which is upping the price per episode and reducing the episode numbers to kind of eliminate chaff i really want to say that this this has a lot of balls and will go the distance but I really don't know if it will like in order to be really like fans have to see this, it has to get to a season three. Yeah. And I I think it's got the legs for a season two, but I don't think it will go past that. Because number one, Shenmue three was divisive between fans to begin with. Shenmue one and two is in season one. People will probably watch the shit out of it if they're fans, and so a season two will be greenlit. But you have to get through season, uh, Shenmue 3 at the beginning of Season 2 and then whatever season that Shenmue 4 might be. And Shenmue 4, we don't know if that will be divisive or not because we haven't seen anything of it. At least it will be unique, but it may divide the fans even more than Shenmue 3 did. We don't know. Yeah. Um, and it would take at least that 
hitting the mark for a season three to get greenlit. It's very difficult to see that happening, to be honest. But it, the benefit it does is have Sega on board. Um, Sega have produced many other shows. Uh, one of the ones that we'll get to is Fantasy Star Online 2, the animation. Which is actually, again, like this, 13 episodes long, very fun. Um, it's a lot more fun than Shenmue is, and it's obviously got more fantastical elements. And it's actually um, uses a lot more anime tropes than Shenmue does. Shenmue is very much almost almost in its own class in anime animation. Uh, and I don't necessarily say that as a good thing. I just mean it because it doesn't go to any established tropes. But the fact that they've say, have produced multiple animes before, I think holds it in a better stead than it would otherwise be. But I don't think it's a guarantee. Would I recommend it? I will say yes for fans, um, because I think if you're a fan, you're going to fucking watch it anyway, let's be honest. Uh, Shenmue has such a deep lore and a deep uh, cultural connection that if you're already a fan of the series, then you're going to watch it, and you should, because it's a different way, a different perspective of looking at what you've already got. Non-fans, I honestly, I've said, I said this from episode one, I don't think new fans will come on board for this. Jamie is a potential new fan, and he didn't come on board from it. So I think, for me, that's kind of proof in the pudding that what they're doing is for the fans, which, to a degree, I appreciate and I respect, but I don't think it's going to end up with a bigger audience from this series. So it's kind of a half recommend. I'd recommend it for fans, but not for new fans. Uh, or for new play. If you want to be a new fan to Shenmue, play the games first. They're slower going, much slower paced, but I'm, I promise you, you'll have a good time if you don't mind the slower pace of uh, this sort of martial arts action story. Um, and then once you've played the game, get into the anime and you'll find it quite refreshing as a refreshing take on that game. But as Jamie's found out, watching the anime on its own is not enough to grip you. Thank you very much for watching. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to add, Jamie? No, nope, not a damn thing. Awesome. So, thank you very much for watching. This has been the Shenmue Animation, and this has been Video Game Movie Podcast, or VGMP. We are we, we release every single week at 5pm UK time on a Friday. We also do articles every single Tuesday. They release at 5pm as well. Might move that to a Monday so it spreads it out a bit more. Don't know. You can catch all of our stuff at www.vgmovie.co.uk You can also chase us up on your favourite way of listening. There's the RSS feed, there's Spotify, there's Amazon, there's Apple, there's Google. Um, There's multiple ways that you can listen to our show. Podbean is the main one we upload to but it goes to all of those others from that so please do tune in every week and please do share us with your friends it does help us a lot the more people we get to listen the better um the more we can actually do and see the more that we're we're incentivized to do more of these episodes uh we've done quite a lot so far we're we're doing really well and we've just done three brand new series and films on the trot there is more to come because there's something the hedgehog 2 coming up in a month's time and potentially, depending on what happens with the release dates, there's the Halo TV series on Paramount Plus. So, uh, and we are looking to cover those as well. And we also have uh, like a Master Chief exclusive uh, in early April as well for you. So, we'll come to that when it comes to time. Thank you very much for listening. And Jamie, would you sign us out, please? Toodles. That was weak sauce. I want. I want.
I want heft. I like the word toodles. Oh, okay. Well, can you say it like a Japanese man? No, because I was going to get cancelled. Oh. Can I, can I do it? No. <laughs> it's just you an want accent, pro- Jamie. doesn't matter. Do you want protesters out there? I mean, I don't think they'll come to where I live. <laughs> no, thank you very much, guys. And as Jamie says... Oh, you want me to say it again? I want to say it again. Uh, toodles. <laughs>